Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hardy's the one standing back in the 48. Here they come, almost got there. Hardy drifts back, takes it in his own 44. First man misses 45, 50. Far side line 40. Hardy 35, 30 to the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Penn State. Daquan Hardy runs the punt back for a touchdown. Penn State's first punt return touchdown since Jahan Dotson against Michigan State in 2020. They will go with the T formation. Andrew Rappoli is the fullback. Quarterback sneak by Aller to the goal line. We wait for the call. They unpile. Touchdown, Penn State. Near Ash. It's Allen to his right. To the five. Keeps going. Reaches out. Touchdown, Penn State. Catron Allen has had a big day today. His third rushing touchdown of the season. 14th touchdown of his career. And the Nittany Lions expand their lead with a seven-play 80-yard drive. Third down and goal at the seven for Ash. Aller back. Looks in the end zone. Fires in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Penn State. Tyler Warren. Back goes Aller. Drew steps in the pocket. Fires over the middle. He's got Johnson. Touchdown, Penn State. Theo Johnson. First touchdown catch of the year. Fabulous toss from Aller to Johnson. The pocket was perfect. Rapidly tight to the far side. Theo Johnson wing left. Play action. Drew throws. He's got Johnson. 15-10-5. Leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Penn State. Takes it. And straight on punt. Line drive. Hardy takes it his own 32. 35 40. Hardy 45. Swings near side 50. 45 40. Near side 30. Punter to beat it to 20. Goes by him at the 10. The 5. Touchdown. Penn State. Daquan Hardy. His second punt return for a touchdown this afternoon. Rabula takes the snap. It's going to be Potts, walks into the end zone, touchdown Penn State. Trey Potts, second rushing touchdown of the year, his third overall touchdown of the season, and Penn State breaks 50. And at the 31, comes in motion toward us. Bo will keep it himself, blocked by Dawkins, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, and dives into the end zone. Touchdown Penn State, got tripped up at the 5, and Bo Prabula gets it done. The Nittany Lions now crack 60. And he'll put the knee down. And that does it. The 103rd homecoming game. Daquan Hardy shines on a dark, gloomy, rainy day with two punt returns for a touchdown. The first time in the history of Penn State football. And the Nittany Lions get their second shot out of the season. Beating UMass 63 to nothing. Look, you were expected to dominate the game today. There is nothing wrong with doing the expected. And that's what I try to tell the suit every Friday. Do the expected. Nothing wrong with that. And then it's a fight to the finish. All right, so... 
And how are you today? After a ugly loss yesterday, not bad. Because I at least saw a Notre Dame thrashing of USC. So it was an up-and-down football weekend for me. Oh, okay. Um, so Penn State's 6-0. and We'll have Tommy McCarthy on in a moment. We'll talk about the Phillies. Bryce Harper's birthday today. He's 31. Uh, Penn State-Indiana is going to be a noon kickoff. It's going to be a CBS game. So it's going to be a noon kickoff, so you can plan ahead for that. This week is Ohio State, as everybody knows. And we'll have a lot on that as the week progresses. Ohio State, like Penn State, is 6-0, beat Purdue 41-7. Texas won last night over Houston 2-0. Game 2 was this afternoon. Didn't you guys have Jordan Montgomery at one point? You traded him away? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. You were highly critical of Jordan Montgomery. I recall. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? He's never done in his career. That could be many things. He's never lost a postseason start. Okay, so uh, and this is the guy you dealt. Uh, nice job. Uh, didn't you guys? Did wasn't Chapman with you guys at one point? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Are really good at evaluating personnel. All right, uh, just asking. They'll play at four thirty this afternoon. Nathan Avaldi and Framber Valdez, really good pitching matchup today. And then tonight, Zach Gallon for the D-backs, and the Phillies go with Zach Wheeler. We'll talk with T Mac about that in a moment as we continue. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry-level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star trucks, plus anything that fits in the door, and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. One of the best in the business and always does great work, uh, Tommy McCarthy. T-Mac, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not too much. You know, you've yeah. got a National League playoff game tonight. i got Ohio State this week. It's all good. Oh, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> this is another week for the two guys in the business. Uh, by the way, I've heard on radio so much of you in the past since the playoffs began because when I'm driving back from practice, you're on. You've been phenomenal on the radio side, by the well, way. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I'm lucky that I'm able to do it, quite honestly, Steve, because you know most TV guys, and this has always been good for the Phillies, I mean, with the Phillies, because Harry did it before and so did, you know, uh, Wheels and. Um, 
and Andy Musser, but you know they they give me the opportunity to do this, which I'm really grateful for, to be quite honest with you. Well, it sounds terrific. Zach Wheeler is one of those guys. It seems regular season, postseason. It doesn't seem to he understands what he's doing, but it doesn't seem to matter to him in terms of approach. Am I reading him right from a distance? I think you're absolutely right about that. I think that he has the makeup that he can get through any of this stuff. And, you know, we've seen him sort of mature right before our eyes when it comes to his playoff, excuse me, his playoff abilities, because, you know, obviously he didn't do it with the Mets. He, he was left off the roster the one year that he got there with the Mets. And, you know, for him, he kind of takes regular season approach into the postseason, and it's exactly the same way. And that's a big part of it because the, you have certain guys that are like that. Texas has a guy in Nathan Avaldi who's been like that. He seems in the postseason he's yeah. fine. You know, John Lester was like that. Clayton Kershaw isn't. See, that's the thing that I always find interesting. Certain guys are not, yet Wheeler is. Yeah, and I don't know why that is, honestly, because Kershaw, to me, and I don't know him, but from a distance, seems like he has the ability to slow the game down no matter yeah. what the situation is. Uh, and that, to me, is odd that he has struggled the way he has struggled during the course of, you know, his postseason career. You know, every time he goes out there, I mean, he's had so many opportunities, you sit there and think, well, this is, you know, Dodgers have the advantage here, but they don't. Uh, and I think you have to, anytime he's pitching, and I know he hates when they lean back to this, but they have to lean back to it because it's just, it's just odd to see how he struggles so much. One of the interesting moves is to play Rojas in center field because he's like Maldonado behind the plate for the Astros. He doesn't give you anything with the bat. But that catch he made on Acuna, what is it about his ability to judge and run the right route that makes him a really good center fielder? Well, instinctively, and, and it's funny because last week in Atlanta, um, I introduced Doug Glanville to him. And I, I think he's a lot like Doug Glanville, mm-hmm. and he's even going to be a little – maybe maybe he's going to be better than Doug. But I think he's a lot like Doug in the way he he reads the ball off the bat, and I think that's the key. So I listened to the two of them discuss their pre the pre-pitch setup that they have, and it was really cool to listen to how he was dealing with what kind of pitch was being thrown, where the pitch was being thrown, and how he was setting up and moving even before the pitch gets to the plate. And that's what Doug was talking about that he used to do that he thought gave him such an advantage over everybody else. So to me, that is where his success rate is at the highest level. I mean, he's one for 17, but you don't even realize it because he has made several very good plays, including that one, which he misjudged at first, but was able to overcome it because of his abilities. Yes, no, that's exactly right. He actually did misjudge it originally, and he still made the play. On a team that has star power, and the Phillies have plenty of it, with JT, with Harper, with Schwarber, Castellanos is a star. Stott is emerging. What have you seen in Castellanos that allows him to rise to the moment, and what have you seen in the development of Bryson Stott? Well, I think Bryson is – you know, you, you and me both know that the key to any team from a championship standpoint is to have homegrown guys. Yep. So the fact that the Phillies have Bohm and Stott doing what they're doing um, is huge. And Rojas is huge. But mm-hmm. I just think this is the normal ascension of 
of somebody, but it's it, it's just quicker for Bryson Stott, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's, in some ways, like Rojas, there's an instinct to him that he totally understands that he's able to gather before a pitch comes in. I mean, the fact he's made this transition so fluidly from uh, shortstop to second base is, I think, fantastic. I think it's unbelievable. Um, and that, to me, is great. And then the two-strike approach, we asked him the other day, well, what kind of two-strike approach do you have? He said, well, I don't really have one. He said, it's basically my same approach all the time. And then Castellanos, I just think that he, he went through a funk the second half of the year. He's figured some things back out again, and I think that's why his success level has been so high in the postseason. Uh, and I also think he's got a fairly calm heartbeat which is really important when it comes to games like this. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Zach Wheeler. In the American League Championship Series, you have two managers in Bruce Bochy, who's won three yeah. times, and you have Dusty Baker, who won last year. They're two guys that manage a lot by feel because we all know the influence of an- analytics. How would you categorize Rob Thompson and Tori Lovello as to their approach to managing? Well, I think one is probably closer to the analytics side in Tori Lovello. Yep. I think the other is probably closer to Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy and Rob Thompson. Now, he does not he does not brush aside numbers. He does have numbers, but it's more of his numbers and his research with the help of, help of the analytics department, the R&D department. Uh, but I, I remember earlier this year, Tori Lovello, you know, Zach Gallen, who's starting tonight, was pitching against the Phillies, and he was going five and two-thirds, and he was cruising. Like, he had maybe struggled a little bit with pitch count, but he was still in perfect line to get through the sixth inning, possibly pitch in the seventh inning. They're leading the game. Well, it turns out the Phillies come back and win the game, and I actually think it's because he was looking at the analytic part of the game, and that's why he took Zach Gallen out of the game. So I think he leans more toward it. Nothing wrong with it. That's his style. Whereas Rob, I think, leans more toward the feel thing. And the feel part of it is, is I thought Rob, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, I felt like he used some of his top relievers earlier in games in high leverage situations. No doubt. Because, because no he doubt. didn't want it to get away. Am I right about that? Yeah, no doubt. He didn't want the momentum to swing to the other team. He wanted to he wanted to thwart it right where um, right where it was. And he even admitted to that that you know, he would bring in, you know, Jeff Hoffman because he didn't want the inning to get away. Um, you know, he brought in Alvarado in the seventh inning one game because he just wanted to make sure that part of that lineup was taken care of. So, yeah, I think he, that's how he's doing it. He's not doing it because the numbers tell him to do it. He's doing it because he feels like that's what he has to do. This is the third round for each team. So everyone, you know, over the years, you know, guys would ask you and me about playoff experience and what it means. Mm-hmm. When you're playing so many rounds, and now this is the third round, is that playoff experience part valid, or is it now out the door? I do think there's some validity to it, but I also think it's validity when you're playing, let's say, here compared yeah. to somewhere else. Like, I know that they've tried to replicate the sound here at the ballpark, <laughs> but even Tori, Lo- yeah, but even Tori Lavello said he said, you know, I, we probably made it at a a six where we had to make it a ten. Because yeah. you can't replicate it. You just can't. And, you know, Zach Gallon's from here. He understands it. Um, yeah. He, You know, he's a huge Eagles fan, so he knows what it's mm-hmm. like at the link. Yeah. Merrill Kelly, who's pitching tomorrow, did for a time live outside of Philadelphia. In fact, his brother is a Phillies fan. 
So he kind of (laughs) understands it, but doesn't. He pitched in Korea. It was loud there, but not like this. So I do think the experience does weigh uh, even in this situation, but maybe not as much as it would have early on. Because I was listening – uh, coming back from uh, a Penn State football practice, and you were talking about the fans doing the mock chop and that the crowd yeah, yeah, is just yeah, yeah, unbelievable because yeah. they just think so differently than other fan bases. They just think, yeah, they do. They just they, they, they have all these things, and it's almost like they have a meeting, like they have this board meeting beforehand <laughs> where they all say to themselves, hey, listen, we're going to do this, and, and the rest of you 35,000 have to do it as well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Because it's unbelievable. It, and not only that, it's clever. I mean, the stuff is oh, yeah. clever. It's not one of those like, you know, we made something up and it's really stupid. It's clever. Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, I mean, for us, it makes us chuckle. It does. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it, it's it's majestic in some ways how they're able to coordinate all of it. It really is. And how one picks up right after the other. My friend, enjoy it as always. Uh, brilliant work as always. And thanks a lot for your time today, especially on game day to talk to us. You got it, buddy. Be good. I'll see you uh, probably next week uh, for Indiana. Oh, you got the Indiana game? Oh, great. Sounds like I do. Yeah, it sounds like I do. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, juggle the football, baseball type of thing because it would be game one of the World Series, but I'll, I'm going to try to figure that part out. So. Something tells me you'll make it work. It's a noon game. That helps. Yeah, that does help. That does help. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll see you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Tommy McCarthy. There you go. See a little... See a little info in there. You didn't realize T-Mac had, uh, had the Penn State-Indiana guy. I knew CBS had the game. I just know they had not said yet who was doing the game. So Yeah, how about that? We may have to get back in touch. Yeah, so especially if it's game one of the World Series. Yeah, how about that? Would that be game one? Yeah, the 28th? I guess it would be game one. So this is the best of seven. So, yeah. How about that? So with tonight, 8 o'clock... Phillies are in the postseason. As Zach Gallagher, it cracks me up about the game two pitcher. Like, <laughs> what does the brother do? I guess he shows up at Diamondback stuff. I mean, blood's thicker than water, right? We'll have to see, I guess. You'd show up in your Yankee garb. Mm, I don't know if I do that CBP, to be honest with you. Come on, you'd show up if you're if you're bro- if you had a brother pitching in the playoffs against your team against the Yankees, you'd show up in Yankee gear. <laughs> It'd be a tough bout, I tell you that. A tough bout, my foot. I'd be wearing whatever my brother's wearing. I got. <laughs> This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by the friends of Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, RV, motorcycle. They'll do everything they can to make sure you're fully insured so your needs are met. They will also do everything they can to save you money. Whether in certain cases where you're allowed to go over state lines, they'll do it. In other cases, it might be bundles, but they'll do everything they can to save you money. Why? Customer service means everything. Eh? Customer service means everything. These are just really great people who are outstanding pros. 
It's Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so let's we'll start with Penn State football. I want to start with Daquan Hardy for a moment. Now, to my knowledge, he's never even considered leaving. He's always been happy here. But this is a guy that in today's college football world, who, to me, when you're the slot corner, you're a starter because sub-packages are just critical to the success of any defense these days. But he's been a slot corner. He's done a great job of developing into a really good corner, like when he's just a corner, not a slot corner, but as a corner. And he is a kind of guy that would be one of those, hey, I'm going through, I'm going through, hey, look, I want to be the star, I want to play, I want to go every down, but you know what I mean? It's, you know, the mentality of certain people. And then there are some people that just really love where they are, love their teammates, love the school, the whole experience. And that's this kid. He was not highly recruited coming out of high school. Yet, Out of nowhere, he gets to the state championship game. I should say out of nowhere. He introduced everybody to who he is in the state championship game when he had the four touchdowns. He ran a kickoff back for a touchdown, an interception for a touchdown. I think he caught one. He ran one. It was just phenomenal what he did, the four touchdowns in the state championship game. Now suddenly, and Penn State had been on him the entire time. Terry Smith and James Franklin were on him the entire time. James was at that championship game because of him. Well, suddenly, you know, now they see him, and they're like, holy mackerel, look how terrific he is. Oh, wow. You know, and now suddenly people are on him because he may not be big in stature, but he's a terrific athlete. And he never forgot that Penn State was the one that was with him the entire time and was not a Johnny-come-lately. And he ends up signing here. And I remember watching him in a spring practice, uh, I don't know, maybe three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was. I think it was like th- it was like three, four years ago. Three or four years ago, spring practice. And I remember saying to uh, Dr. Sebastian Elliott, I said, well, geez, Wayne, every, say, every time I look over, I said, Hardy's always around the ball. He's always around the ball. Wow. Uh, and I said, I said, I think he's going to be pretty good here. I said, he may not be a big guy, but I said, I think he's going to be pretty good here because he just seems to be one of those guys where it's like a magnet with him. Well, who leads the team in interceptions this year? I mean, he does. And he made a couple of defensive plays on Saturday that were just fabulous. The punt returns stand out to everybody. When you do something that has never been done at a school before, that began playing football in 1887, and you do something that's never been done before, it's special. And he returned two punts in the same game for a touchdown, which had never been done here before. Uh, And... And that's uh, and that he's just anybody who's around Day Day. You want to talk about easy to like? 
That's Day Day. Easy to like. Uh, was at the quarterback club a couple of weeks ago, and he just, you know. If somebody asked him a question, one of the fans asked him a question, who's the, you know, in, when you were playing in Pittsburgh, you know, who were, you know, the players that stood out to you? And Day Day says, well, he says, Dante Cephas, who was his teammate in high school. He says, Dante Cephas. And the guy looked at me and goes, well, what about Joey Porter Jr.? And I looked over the guy and says, who's supposed to answer the question, you or him? Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if you want him to say Joey Porter Jr., why don't you just ask him about him? <laughs> I had to laugh because I looked over and said, what, he didn't give you the answer you wanted? <laughs> He's not sorry. <laughs> and he says, oh, yeah, Joey Porter's great. But... Yeah, I'm just, I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for him. Very, very happy about what he's done to this point. And again, as a defender, he has become an outstanding defender. It's not just the punts he returned. You know, you got to remember, he made a couple really terrific defensive plays in that game. He's just become a really good defender. All right. So now it's Ohio State. We'll talk a lot about Ohio State as the week progresses. Obviously. um, And that's... We all know that, you know, It's the biggest game of the week, and we know that. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I want to say very quickly about the Giants last night. Uh, The Giants were completely outmanned. They lost the game. Completely outmanned, especially on the offensive line. I mean, the Pugh kid, what, Jordan Pugh? When they were doing the introduction, said, quote, off the couch, you know, where are you from? You know, yeah, Connor McGovern, Penn State, you know. I'd say Quint Barkley, Penn State. They got the pew and he said, off the couch. Because they literally signed him and brought him in this week. The guy's out there playing left tackle. Because they had injuries. Thomas is out, so the guy that was playing left tackle for Thomas, and then he got hurt. Now here's Pew out there. Well, he gave up only three pressures at left tackle all night. The Giants played so hard last night. That tells you a lot about them, and it tells you a lot about the coaches. They played hard. Then Jim Swartz, who's the defensive coordinator for Cleveland, wasn't he your defensive coordinator at one point? Pretty good. He was your D.C., wasn't he? Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, Wow. You let him go? Really? Okay. Just checking here. Um, went about 70-71% man coverage yesterday which by the way Denzel Ward former Ohio State player and I was you, you know how much over the years I really have liked Ward uh, really liked him at Ohio State really liked him at, and you know, when he was the fourth overall pick which was the Browns second pick of the uh, first round pick of the draft I thought, what a great pick, because, you know, they'd gone with what, Mayfield earlier, I think. 
they, and they pick Ward. And I thought well, that's a great second pick. Ward really is good at man coverage. And when Debo Samuel went out of the game, and now it's Jennings as opposed to Debo Samuel, it make you know now you start you make the move. Hey, we're going to play man coverage because we can man cover these guys. We can man cover Ayuk. We can man cover Jennings. If we have to roll up on anybody, we'll roll up on Ayuk. Okay. And then McCaffrey got hurt. They did a brilliant job of pressuring right up the middle into the face of Brock Purdy. And Purdy did not handle it well at all. At all. You notice on the final drive uh, where they did score, or the final drive, sorry, you notice on the final drive where Moody missed the 41-yard field goal. Purdy had a little bit cleaner pocket to throw so he could step into some throws. The Browns did it in such a way where they kept him from stepping into throws. And by playing man coverage, they could then they then blitzed all over the place and they play, you know and played a lot of cover zero. And they made it pay off because guess what? They beat the Niners in the trenches. Just flat out beat him in the trenches. And Purdy could not step into throws when he tried to run away. He got called for intentional grounding once because he did throw it away, but it didn't reach the line of scrimmage. And he just really, really struggled. And to let you know about the economics of sports, do you think Robbie Gold misses that field goal? But when you get to be a veteran with a lot of years under your belt, there's a certain pay scale as opposed to a rookie the way the league is. Now, we do we want to talk about your team? We can if you want. There are certain things from yesterday that are on my list of complaints from the weekend. Wonderful. We'll take a break, and then we'll start dealing with your issues one by one. And by the way, no matter what happens, despite the number of issues you do have, when we hit 3 o'clock, I'm leaving. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. No good! No good! No good! Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855, visit our website at purdyinsurance.com, or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Okay, I'm just going to just sit here and just listen. The rest of you can make up your own mind as how you want to handle this. <laughs> well, I'll start with this. Devontae Smith. Here was he was the guy <clears throat> He was the guy last week that or two weeks ago, I guess at this point, that was complaining about not getting the ball when A.J. Brown's obviously been going off the last couple of weeks. Which, all right, I get it. You know, he's been one of the top guys for this team. 
started getting the ball back to him. Then he has that drop on one of the drives late in the late in the game that could have set the Eagles up for at least another field goal to get themselves some breathing room. And he drops it. Plus, he had another drop in the game. I'm sorry. There is no more yakking about not getting the football if you're going to just drop the ball. And now he owned it. I'll give him that. But now it's one thing to talk the talk. Now do you walk the walk? Nobody after yesterday should be complaining about who gets the football and who doesn't. Because ball security was awful for the Eagles yesterday. Swift, even though he had the touchdown earlier, had the fumble, a bad fumble, again, on, on the way to a score. At least they were getting in the scoring range. But those two catches yesterday, especially the one where he was wide, wide open down the middle, it would have put the Eagles in the scoring range at least. And after two weeks ago, he's going off about not getting the football. I mean, come on. You got to back it up. Catch the football when, you're, when your number is actually called. Or else, guess what? Maybe you won't get it. It's that simple. This is the NFL. This isn't Alabama anymore. You should know better than that. That's number one for me. Bottom line with the Eagles yesterday was the four turnovers. If they get points on one of those possessions, they probably win the game yesterday. But they didn't. So you can go off about the play calling all you want. It wasn't great yesterday from Brian Johnson. But you can't turn the ball over four times. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. I think it was after the Washington game. That at some point, everything that every all the mistakes that the Eagles have been making so far this season, players, coaches, whatever, it was going to come back to bite them in one of these next three games. It didn't against the Rams, but it did yesterday. So now we're going to find out how this team can actually respond. I think ultimately they will, but I still have some slight concerns because two out of the last three games, not including yesterday, at least that I saw, you had some issues on the sideline. You had the Devontae Smith thing, A.J. AJ Brown a couple weeks ago, Jason Kelsey getting into it with coaches the week after last. And then apparently, I didn't notice it myself, but Ruben Frank put in his 10 observations column yesterday that he didn't like the body language. I don't know. I think this is a team that's more pressing than anything else because they know they were so close last year and didn't finish it, and now they have a lot of high expectations for this year and things weren't going completely right in the first few games, but they were still winning, and now they finally lose a game that they should have won yesterday. So that's kind of my worry about this going forward, but there's there's other there's bigger things to worry about. I think it's more execution than it is with the coaching staff as of right now. But if this continues to sputter, then you go right to the coaching staff and you go to a guy, Nick Sirianni, who, as I've said before, is a good leader, I think is a good coach, but sometimes is a little reckless. Now, we can go back and forth about the third and nine decision to actually throw the football yesterday, but just overall, the combination of things of how things were going in the first five games of the season, I said it was going to come back to bind him in one of these next three games, and I think it, and it obviously did yesterday. And I consider this a double loss because with all the injuries... We'll see how that all plays out, but I coming into the season, I didn't think Miami was a good matchup for them, and I really don't now next week. So I think you're staring 5-2 and two right in the face.
Well, you brought up everybody except one guy. Your quarterback, again, continues to be good but not great. And he was not good yesterday. He made some bad throws. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Obviously, at the one at the end. I don't blame him for the other two picks, but obviously the third one, yeah, you can't do. You can't make that throw. And he should know better. And there was a couple other times where he could have thrown some picks and those were there was some poor decisions. And I think it starts with him, too, with the pressing thing. I think he's pressing. I really do. He's trying not to get hurt. Then he's trying to do too much because he knows he's trying not to get hurt. He just needs everyone. I think everyone just needs to relax and just let it go. Just play. You know what I think? You have a bunch of guys who think they're better than they really are. That's what I think you have. When they were the underdog, and they're working, 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 and everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, now it's like, hey, I'm a star. Look at me. Hey, hey, I'm a star. I, well, wait a minute. I didn't get the ball that much. I, hey, I'm a star. I should be getting the ball more. Hey, man. I definitely think it got that way yesterday because they were... It's been like that all season. That's why Brown's popped off. That's why Smith has popped off. Now, Hertz hasn't done that, but Hertz has been playing very good football. Now, you guys know, there's mediocre, there's good, there's very good, there's great. He's been playing very good football this season, but has only had moments of great. Last year, I felt like... I felt like 90% of what Jalen Hurts did last year, 90% was great. I mean, that's some percentage when you're talking about playing 15 regular season games, and you know, which he did. He didn't play all 17. 15 regular season games and three playoff games. To look at a guy and feel like 90% of the time he's playing great football, that is unbelievable. This year, he's had moments where he's played great football, and he's had moments where he's played good football. So for the most part, he's been very good. I agree with all that. And as for the injuries, you're right. There were a lot of injuries. Five defensive backs for the Jets were out. Yeah, you're right. There were injuries. Oh, the starting quarterback was out, too. Also true. Yep. I'll say this about Tony Adams, who had the last pick. Tony Adams, I always felt, was really good at Illinois. I really liked him a lot. But the problem he had was that with some of the things that happened at Illinois, one time he's a corner, then he's a slot corner, then he was a safety. He never settled in at a spot where an NFL team could identify him, even though if you watched him all the time, he was really good. You're listening.